Welcome back to Yes, X or No Audio. Hello, lovely listeners. It is about quarter past 7 p.m. here on the east coast of Australia on Monday, the 19th of June. And welcome to another episode, slightly tardy, of Week in Review for Week 24, Year 2023. The newsletter published four articles this week. The first was for the second anniversary of the newsletter. And that, of course, will be the article I reserve. The following three were extending news.sh, which was a continuation of the Linuxy article published last week. There was then interesting articles, 2023 mid-June, which, I hope you agree, contained some interesting articles. And lastly, there was Corruption in Ukraine results in Nazis attacking Russia with NATO weapons. I presume you've enjoyed the interesting articles in the interesting articles publication. And I won't go too much into the last, the corruption, dot, 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 Nazis, dot, 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 NATO stuff. Um, check it out. I move on from what the hell was going, in, going on in Belgorod to then a bit of a rant on my opinion on what's really going down. Uh, in Ukraine and why it's pretty damn nasty and why the Russians are so pissed about it. So if you're interested in that, check that article out. Quite unsurprisingly, there were many headlines from anti-war during the week and based on topics, let's start with Ukraine. Anti-war led off with Zelensky confirms Ukrainian counteroffensive has started, which is no real news because we already knew that. Moving along, we have a bit of fluffery about the lead-up to the NATO meeting, which might have just happened or whatever. It was was coming at the time. And the first article is, US Ambassador says Ukraine unlikely to get invite to join NATO. So that's coming from someone in the State Department. And then we have, three days later, report, Biden under pressure to give Ukraine clear path to NATO membership. So there's a bit of conflict going on somewhere there, right? The State Department saying one thing, the White House is saying another. Uh, then we have, following that, NATO chief says Russia must lose in Ukraine to send message to China. And I can't remember if Stoltenberg is still the NATO chief at the moment, and I think he is, and he's on his way out, so he's doing a little parting gift of, hey, we have to win in Ukraine. Whatever. Then we have, we're getting into the, uh, we need more weapons in Ukraine stupidity. And we begin, begin with, bipartisan lawmakers urge Biden to send longer range weapons to Ukraine. So there we go. More of the Congress doing bipartisan stuff on behalf of the military industrial complex. You never would have thunk it. And then we have, US set to provide Ukraine with depleted uranium rounds for Abrams tank. Joining up with the UK in let's destroy this rich farmland with toxic waste. How clever is that? We move on with Ukraine wants US-made FA-18 fighter jets from Australia. And this little Australian will be making a lot of noise if Australia is stupid enough to do that. And then we move on to something far more interesting. Germany says it can't replace all Leopard tanks to Ukraine. And today's video update from Alex Christoforou of the Duran fame. 
goes on a little further than that and mentions that Germany has said to the EU, ah, yeah, about all of that uh, happy-go-lucky funding for Ukraine and so forth, yeah, we're sort of out of money. Uh, we've got economic problems going down here, which we knew about because of the blowing up of the pipeline and other reasons. We can't buy stuff from Russia anymore. We can't sell stuff to Russia anymore. The trade is going downhill. So they've got no money and they're not going to play this game for much longer which relates to another article we'll discuss later. So that's a beginning of the cracks appearing in the EU. Then we have reports. CIA told Ukraine not to bomb Nord Stream pipelines. Of course, this is a great laugh. This is the resuscitation of the previous piece of rubbish that was pushed out by, I can't remember who, from the MSM, WIPO or whatever, about the fact that, no, it wasn't the US, it was Ukraine. And the, what was there? There were five guys and a girl who's a doctor or something on a boat in the... Give me a break here. So that was just a bit of a laugh. Uh, but they're still trying to pump it, so whatever. Then we move on to Putin says, first Russian nukes have arrived in Belarus. And this is a game of two can play the escalation game. Because we understand from particularly McGovern that one of Russia's main concerns around the whole damn thing, which was going down in the arming of Ukraine and its path into NATO and so forth, were the dual-use missile silos that the US has installed in Poland and Romania. So Russia's just gone, well, two can play at that game. We're going to stick some in Belarus. So that's what that's about. Not good, but uh, it's sort of understandable. And lastly, we have a raucous piece. US lawmakers introduced bill to give Russian central bank assets to Ukraine. And this, again, is another piece of bipartisan fun. From the article, we have the legislation would also instruct President Biden to, quote, work with allies and partners to establish an international compensation mechanism to transfer confiscated or frozen Russian sovereign assets to Ukraine, end quote. Really? So you impounded them and now you're going to just steal them. And it moves on. The article says the bill would also give the State Department, quote, additional resources to work with partners and allies abroad toward the goal of confiscation of additional Russian sovereign assets in other countries, end quote. So they haven't got the message that everyone was a bit pissed off about this. It all started with Venezuela, with the Bank of England impounding $2 billion worth of gold, and then the US stole $7 billion from the Afghan Reserve Bank, uh, and then they got moving on the Russians and froze all of these assets, which uh, was never really clear, but I think it's something in the order of $130 billion, but that's not just the... That was an estimate from a European Commission bureaucrat, and it was $130 billion that they thought that the European Central Bank had frozen, and then there's obviously additional on top of that from whatever the US has done, and we don't really know what the whole numbers are. But there it is. Uh, it's not just freezing, uh, it's now theft. Yeehaw. So that's the end of the Ukraine section of the headlines from anti-war this week, but we move on to China. And China, funnily enough, denied the silly allegation that was flown up the flagpole via the WIPO or New York Times or whatever, that China is spying on the US. 
via the something in Cuba, as well as whatever that balloon was. And yeah, 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 everybody's spying on everybody. That's how it works. It's called military intelligence. Just get over it, US. This narrative stuff gets rather boring in the end. And there's one more. US military gets unimpeded access in Papua New Guinea under New Deal which echoes exactly what I was saying when I was quoting Admiral Akbar from Star Wars when uh, the deal about, you know, aligning, uh, Papua New Guinea aligning itself uh, with the US, and I said, it's a trap! And there it is, unimpeded access. <sighs> so moving along to the Middle East, we have White House says Iran is helping Russia build a drone factory. Well, hey, US, you've got drone factories yourself, plenty of them. I don't know if anyone helped you build them, but you're certainly building drones there, and why the hell shouldn't other people do that? So this is a bit strange. It's a bit, you know, pot calling the kettle black. But it's just another narrative engine. Everybody be scared because Iran, Russia, drones. What? Anyway... And then we have uh, a repeat of what we've known for years since, what, midway through the Syrian dirty war? We have Israeli airstrikes hit Syria. One Syrian soldier seriously wounded. So it's just the same old shit again. Israel doesn't give a crap. They're attacking Syria. What? They haven't declared war. There's no UN mandate. They're just randomly blowing shit up. And then we have something a little more interesting. Report, Saudi Crown Prince threatens US with major economic consequences. So that's quite interesting because Saudi have started selling their oil to China in China's currency, yuan, renminbi, whatever it is. Uh, and China has also entered into a you know, multi-five-year sort of period of supporting Iran. And all this, you remember the, the Iran-Saudi uh, rapprochement. So this is sort of an extension of that. But now you've got uh, the Saudi crown prince uh, threatening the US. So that's a bit of a turn up for the books. Uh, moving further along, we've got the US threatening uh, South Africa, because why not? Uh, and the uh, article is, members of Congress want to punish South Africa for relationship with Russia. Like, what, you can't have a relationship with Russia? Yes, you can, but it's got to be full of sanctions. La, la, la. So it's just the US throwing its weight around uh, and failing utterly to realise that the world is changing. On the NATO front, we have Erdogan says no NATO membership for Sweden at Vilnius summit. So that was the summit we were talking about earlier with the US ambassador saying, no, Ukraine can't come in, and other people saying, Biden, you have to let the Ukrainians in, and so forth. Uh, but there is another article which relates to this, which is also from anti-war, Sweden approves extradition of PKK supporter to Turkey amid NATO bid, which was Turkey's demand to give uh, support to the Swedish application to join NATO. Because to join NATO, everybody has to agree that you're welcome and you're in. And Turkey was, was just there again doing what he usually does about getting as much you know, um, blood for his pound of flesh or whatever the Shakespearean term is. But the interesting thing is that this article about Sweden approves the extradition occurs two days before the one in which Erdogan says, no, so who knows what's going on. It's just Erdogan playing his usual game. And that concludes the anti-war section.
In other voices, we have Patrick Lawrence uh, with an article called The Rape of Lady Justice, and I believe this is largely about the abuse that uh, presidential candidate Trump is receiving at the hands of the US judicial system because of activities by the Democratic National Committee or whatever they're called. So anyway, they're just trying to sue him into the ground and make sure he can't campaign, keep him off the campaign trail, which harks back to... Uh, Tucker, uh, Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox because he was going to have Trump on and also Kennedy Jr. and la 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 and as we know Biden can't read the shit off his teleprompter so there's going to be no debates great democracy you've got going down there in the US guys anyway so that was uh, Mr. Lawrence and then we had a really good article actually I really enjoyed this from Gilbert Dr. Al. Vladimir Putin meets with Russia's war correspondents, in which Dr. R remarks that Putin was pretty straight up with the war correspondent, saying, yeah, some stuff didn't go so well, other stuff's going all right, etc., etc. It's a good article. Check it out. And then we have an article by Larry Johnson, which I have yet to read and will, called My Life as a Whistleblower, with subtitle The Road to Punditry. Obviously, he's doing really nicely. Uh, He's been interviewed by numerous people as a regular slot on Judging Freedom now. And he's been making useful commentary on what's going on in Ukraine uh, and with respect to other things where having experience within the CIA would be of use, uh, particularly with the, uh, whatever they call it, the La La Leaks, Jack Teixeira's been charged with and so forth. So... He was helpful in that regard too. So that's a little background uh, on him. So I haven't read that yet, but I'm sure it's interesting. Uh, Moving on to sort of Ukraine again, uh, in the other people talking about stuffs, there was a great article published at Consortium News by Tony Kevin, who's a former Australian ambassador. He's one of these people, I like the former ambassadors. There's another one, uh, Badra Kuma from India, who also publishes really interesting stuff, especially around the Middle East and you know, India's sort of region. Uh, but this one is documents uh, a, a nice little piece of abuse by essentially the Five Eyes Network. So that's the military intelligence sharing group of the US, the UK, Australia, Canada and New Zealand. And the an editor from Radio New Zealand was taking the shit show that is the uh, uh, Wires newsfeed. Uh, so that's Agence France Presse, Associated Press and Reuters, and inserting into that some balancing comments about what's going on in Ukraine. And so the uh, the Five Eyes people went, no, you can't do that shit. You're not uh, following the narrative. So he's, his uh, career is under threat, and apparently nobody knows who it is, who it is but everyone does in Lava. Usual story. But good article uh, by Kevin at Consortium News, so check that out. There's a little one here by John Helmer about the drone attacks via the Ukraine on the Black Sea against the Russian naval forces that are in part guarding the Blue Stream pipeline, which is between Russia and Turkey. So there's a sort of an echo here of the Nord Stream attack. So it's worth it's a long article, but worth a check out because no one talks much about what's happening on the Black Sea. So. There have been various developments on uh, Assange's front, and I have not followed them very closely. Oops, naughty me. 
On the geopolitical front, we had a fantastic article by Vijay Prashad, which I included in the Interesting Articles article, so please check that out. It's a classic piece of Prashad where he's not trying to be subtle, he's just trying to be gentle, and he's putting the facts of history before you and describing an easy-to-understand narrative, and that is about what's changing. The old non-aligned movement has sort of resurfaced, being led now by the economic independence of China and the military technology advantage of Russia with their alliance in BRICS and also the SEO organization. So he's going, Vijay that is, he's going back into history and looking at the emergence of the non-aligned movement and examining what they're looking for now and how they're labelling that. And what they're looking for is essentially a return to international law and the principles of the United Nations. So it's it's a change, because the original non-aligned movement was during the uh, Cold War. So you've got the West going, oh, we hate communism, and the communists going, uh, well, we're the, we're the right way to do things. And so they provided, the USSR, provided assistance to a lot of the developing world uh, i.e. The mem- some of these members of the non-aligned movement. And, of course, the U.S. was pissed about that and then the U.S. was trying to subvert socialism and whatever in Eastern Europe and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what do you think the whole breakup of Yugoslavia was about? Very successful socialist republic. So, that's the non-aligned movement who was trying to say, we don't want any part of all this ideological fl- conflict. We just want to consolidate our own nationhood that we've just achieved because of the breakup of the British Empire, which happened at the end of the Second World War. So there's all of this historical stuff at play, and it's a beautiful article by Vijay Prashad, so please check it out. The next one is another one that was included in the Interesting Articles article, and that was this. A chaotic resorting. Europe's seminal shift is broadly moving in the same direction as US politics. And this is by Alastair Crook, who was interviewed by Judge Napolitano on Judging Freedom about this very article, which was also in the article's article. And it's well worth a read, because he's talking about the shift in popular views. Essentially, people are being denied fundamental services, which they expect and sort of fought for, years ago and and there's a very strange shift going on and this is echoed in the last article of the week by myself in which I rant on in the end about what I think is going to go down and and finish with a do you want in on a secret Russia doesn't have to win this war in Ukraine it just needs to claim the territories it already has completing um, the capture of the whole of the Donetsk Oblast and then they'll just bloody sit on it because it's Europe that will defeat the Ukraine because they don't have the money to keep doing this anymore and it will be a unity of Germany and France that pulls the rug out from under Ukraine because they're going to have to pay for the shit anyway. So the the US has launched this thing and the European Union is going to have to clean it up. So they, they can already see the writing on the wall and we'll see how it goes. But that's my gut feel on it. And with that, we move into the extended look at the second anniversary article. And in that, I was really just trying to say thank you all for reading these crazy ideas that I published. Um, It's been a great journey along the way. And in it, I tried to um, describe the roots of the geopolitical analysis that I present. And that is uh, Mackinder from 1906, I think it was. 
and the sort of one world island theory, which is that if you look at the map, Mercator projection, there's really two only two islands. There's North and South America, that's one island, and then there's Asia, Europe, or Eurasia, that's just one island, really. And then you've got uh, Africa connected to it. So that's the big island. So there's, you know, three, you know, the big continent and then another big continent, that's Eurasia and Africa. And then you've got North and South America. And if you can control Asia, just as in the game of risk, that's why no one allows anyone to control Asia because you get too many armies out of it. If you control Asia, you essentially then can control Europe and Africa and therefore you control the one island and therefore you control the world. That's the theory. And I think there's some truth in it because Mackinder was talking at the time about the use of railways, which is a parallel to the transport infrastructure of shipping. So in the end, it's about trade control. And now that uh, we've got advances, further advances in uh, rail transport, all of a sudden it becomes an an interesting trade counterpoint to to shipping, maritime transport, although the shipping transport still thoroughly dominates international trade. So with that, I shall conclude this week in review. I hope you're having a wonderful time wherever you are, and see you next week. Until next time. Thank you.